Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. Tonight, I'm in Berlin in a very cool neighborhood in the living room of Lucy Westfall, who's a German filmmaker based in New York and Berlin. Her blog may offer the best possible intro to Lucy and her transmedia platform. When you visit her site, the first line you'll read is, When I was a teenager, my dad suggested I should put more emphasis on producing instead of just consuming when it comes to art and culture. And as I investigated Lucy's platform, I saw that her blog and her videos and her work in general is embracing all the amazing creations of other people, too. And she celebrates film, music, video, web shows, books, plays, visual art, architecture, landscape, food, and other blogs. And she's an advocate for creativity. And I met Lucy on Twitter about a month ago. I'm not sure how we discovered each other, but when I arrived in Berlin, I asked to meet. I tweeted, and she tweeted back. So here we are in Prenzlauerberg. Lucy, how long have you been living with one foot in Berlin and one foot in New York? So I moved to New York 13 years ago from Florida, where I had gone to school. And for the last two and a half years, I've been going back and forth between Berlin and Brooklyn. You post In a Berlin Minute on YouTube every week. That's right. That is a big commitment, like the one I make for my podcast. And it's an editing challenge, as we've discussed, to pare down all that you experience in your life to one minute a week. Tell me how that works. So the idea came to me very spontaneously. I came to Berlin, honestly, two and a half years ago to take some time off from work and um, leave New York, go someplace else, and see my family and friends, because I'm originally from Hamburg, Germany. And I wanted to just live and work for a little while, work as in just make money and not pursue um, the more intense filmmaking career that I have been pursuing. And then as it happened, the first week that I got here, I had a spontaneous idea to start a web series. And there's some irony because in the end I ended up working, um, well, just as much or more because I kept other projects going as well. But uh, the idea was just to do something regularly to um, capture moments in Berlin, places or events, activities, and share them with my friends and family all over the world, kind of like a moving postcard. And also for myself as a bit of a journal to um, just keep track of what I'm doing. And it started really small, like I said, just for myself and, and my circle of people. And then um, it caught on and I found an audience and it was amazing and I got totally addicted to it because when after 70 weeks I was returning to Brooklyn, it's called in a Berlin minute when I was returning to Brooklyn I should have probably theoretically stopped but uh, it's just such an amazing experience that I'm really grateful for because it gives me the challenge to do something every week to explore something new or capture something that I'm doing and there's an audience that gives me direct feedback, which is amazing. There's a whole community of people that I've met online through doing these videos, and I'm excited to hear their responses every week. And it's a creative challenge because 
as you said, I, I pare down to one minute every week. And as you might notice from me talking, I am not really a person that keeps it short. And the other films that I've done mostly are quite long. So it's a challenge every week to try to bring it down to one minute. Right. You have an affiliation. The videos live on all kinds of um, different video platforms. So it's on YouTube, but also on Vimeo and on Blip and uh, on iTunes. And then there are two websites that syndicate my videos as well, or the In a Berlin Minute, or In a Brooklyn Minute, because that's what it's called when I'm working out of Brooklyn. And um, the one is the Rad Dad blog, and that's a great website about um, street art and urban art and uh, skateboarding and all kinds of um, urban activities out of England. And the other website is the Perpetual Explorer, and that is a dedicated website for travel videos. So through those, well, not through the blog, but through YouTube and through Blip and through the Perpetual Explorer, I'm able to get some revenue through advertisement. That's very great. Yes. If all creatives could figure that out. Well, it's, it's not a lot of money and it's, it's kind of funny to like... Um, do decide to make do the kind of work that I do and put it out for free um, is definitely something that you wrestle with because before the Perpetual Explorer came along, it really was no money practically. And I started thinking of it being kind of like street art, the videos that I do, mm -hmm. because I'm making, I'm doing something that I want to do that a way that I want to express myself creatively and I want people to enjoy it anywhere for free. So that's really kind of the point. And of course I'm interested in people's reactions and I assume street art artists are also interested in the audience reaction, you know, as much as they can observe it. So um, I have started thinking of those videos a little less as film projects, which are so often driven by revenue and the idea that you should have your distribution all figured out before you even start making it, a lot of pre-financing, all those kinds of things. You, you as a filmmaker, you oftentimes, somewhere between being an artist and being a business person. And with these videos in particular, I decided to let go of that. The question of like, is this worthy? Am I wasting my time? Shouldn't I be more successful? Shouldn't I be, you know, doing something that helps me pay the bills? And just say it's it's art, and I don't mean <laughs> art always has such a strange connotation that I was like, oh, it does mean it's fabulous, but it's art in the sense that I'm just making it because I have to, and I have to express myself, and I want people to see it and maybe have a response to it, and that's all. It doesn't need to sell. And it's been helpful to have been invited to an art show in Chicago and actually see the first 70 minutes on a wall projected next to really f great fine art and be allowed to be part of that circle and that experience made a big difference for me. I know that the compressed platform is what we're talking about and your portfolio is full of much more complex, or they're all complex, I guess in their way, but the video projects and films that often have to do with the music scene. Yes, I have done, like I mentioned earlier, some projects that are much, much longer. So I've done two uh, feature long documentary films. And one I did with my partner, Scott Solari, and that is about, it's called All God's Children, and it's about child abuse within the missionary community. So that 
in theory doesn't relate much to music at all, except that um, it's pretty heavy with hymns, um, which has an intense effect on people that were abused within the church setting, actually. Um, the other documentary, All's Well and Fair, is about three single punk moms on welfare in the 90s who won an anti-government music contest. And I filmed them in the 90s and then revisit them 10 years later to see how their opinions and lives had changed now that they're older and homeowners. And then I've done music videos, so straight up music related work as well. I love music, I find music very inspiring and I often think that, especially when I go to live concerts, that I get so much from musicians and from the music experience that I'd like to be able to give something back to musicians. So in, in a Berlin Minute, of course, I, in the first few months, I did a lot of just um, street sounds, whatever was going on. And then later I started using more and more music. And I have a very gifted friend, Jason Mathern, uh, who lives in Florida, who has provided a lot of music for me. So he's just amazing. And, and I have some other friends now that have offered to write simple pieces that I can use because I consume <laughs> a different Very song. Quickly. Every, yes, <laughs> yes. And the All's Well and Fair involves three women in Gainesville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what made you want to tell their story in particular and how you got to Gainesville. So Gainesville, Florida is an amazing college town um, in north, north central Florida. So it's not one of the beach places. It's, I just still, I get very sentimental. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing creative place that has drawn people from all over the U.S. In the 90s is when I lived there. Um, and I remember it was always like, oh, it was going to be the next Seattle or the next Athens or whatever. As a strong music scene, it, I don't think it ever became the next anything. It's just what it is. Um, I ended up there because I had been an exchange student in Florida during high school. And then I came back after I got my abitur to visit a friend and she was living in Gainesville. I visited her and immediately slipped into the circle of friends, um, that was yeah, the, the creative musician local scene unrelated to the university. So it's a college town, but these are all people that really weren't at, at the University of Florida, but were locals that had come there to make art or play music. So that's how I ended up there for a visit. And during that time, I decided that I wanted to study film. Before film school, during the time that I was there, I found out about the song contest, which I missed. I was in Germany at the time and this, I was friends with two of the three women and I was just so fascinated with the energy and the outlook on life that they had. This was in 1996, the year of the welfare reform and the idea of a welfare mom was, um, the stereotype was pretty bad, it was in the news a lot and these women, some of them high school dropouts, so not very educated in the general sense not with the ambitions that you would expect in 1990s America. However, they were intelligent, educated in their way. They're very interested. So just examples, like they're feeding their children much healthier food than the average American would feed. So they're vegetarians, they were health conscious, they're very political, politically active, and they had an incredible sense of humor 
and some anger mixed in and they wrote this song to express a lot of these things and I was just amazed how inspiring to me these women were that they weren't just looking for a handout but they were struggling as single mothers and were at the same time amazing mothers to their children and amazing friends and they took me in into the community um, I've, I've just never experienced anything like that the way friends would just watch each other's children and help each other out like a really really strong bond of community so that's what inspired me to make the film with them and then check in with them 10 years later to see if they were still you know of the same opinions and, and had changed their lifestyle. You released it online in episodes. What was the effect of that on the visibility of the project? That was definitely a risky business to release the film online right away in episodes. With All God's Children, the previous documentary, it had um, a limited theatrical release and a DVD release and had played on television before we released it online. So mm. we had traveled with it. We had all the amazing experience you want to have with a film. With All's Well and Fair, I realized I have a bit of a different kind of a documentary. It's not in the, even though it has a three X structure, it doesn't have the typical structure of an American documentary as it is popular today, which basically means you have a hero or a team of heroes that are introduced in the first act and then they, you know, they have an obstacle and they have a goal that they want to reach and throughout the second act they have all kinds of adventures and challenges and then there's a big climax and then in the third act like woohoo everything worked out. So I didn't have that kind of a film. I realized that um, my documentary work opposite to Inner Berlin Minute, which is without words altogether, is rather it's rather wordy, they're conversations. So they're almost radio pieces, except that I think that it's interesting to watch these women and, and there's a lot of verite elements. It's not um, just talking heads, but it is a structure that doesn't necessarily fit um, the American distribution market or the festival circuit. And I wanted to make sure that the film got seen. Um, I wanted to reach people all over the world and inspired through my web series and through All Red Children. I realized that the online platform would be a great way, well, pretty much the only way to do that, to reach people. And again, they can watch it for free. I just want people to see it. And the idea that the heart of the story is about um, women living at the edge of poverty or in poverty really is part of wanting to give it away for free mm -hmm. so that anybody in the similar situation, like a single mom can watch this at home if she has a computer or at the library or um, wherever she has access to a computer. That would be amazing for me. The film being based on the subjects of the song brought a structure of 11 different conversation topics. And that is what these women talk about. They basically have conversations with their younger selves because I mixed the footage together and to the audience. And it's a very personal way of talking, kind of like you would talk with a friend because the, the process of making the film was just me and one of them. And we'd be at their house while they're making dinner or driving around or we're sitting in the backyard. So they were very open and honest with their experiences and their feelings. So what I'm hoping is that it has the effect that when people watch these episodes and they can pick any topic they like, you don't have to watch the film from beginning to end. I see. They get the impression that they're having a conversation with a friend. Now, that would be a one-way conversation if you were just to sit back and watch. 
what I'm doing is inviting anybody that watches to become part of the conversation and speak back, talk back to these women, talk back to the rest of the audience, talk back to me, either through comments, written comments, or through um, actual video responses, which I'm encouraging people to do. And the video exists on YouTube, um, but also on Google Plus and on Facebook, and there's a Twitter account, so people have responded not just on YouTube, but also on other social media platforms. It just amazes me what people have written and recorded on video and responses. So fascinating. I always hope my films will motivate people to do something, to at least have a conversation. I always hope that my work inspires positive actions. I love people. I just, and I love what I like to refer to as now catchphrase, soon a cliche, the 99%. The, the regular people that may be maybe slightly off-center and slightly underrepresented, but I think every person has a story to tell. So many creative practitioners share this DIY sensibility where you're just, you're, you're going to make it happen. I, I love working in the DIY style, um, for one, because then you can just do it. Then you just do it. Then you just have to do it. You don't wait for anybody else to give you permission and you don't wait if the masses approve of what you want to do. You do it because you have to, you want to, you're inspired. And I get inspired by the people around me. I was mentioning music, people, events, stories, feelings and I will continue to work like that. And sometimes it's frustrating, sometimes I wish I had a strong partner that could help me, especially with distribution or marketing, um, some, something that was more business savvy and wouldn't just get lost in like following an, a creative passion. But I think it's, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever stop creating because it's what I think I was called to do. So I'll just keep working DIY or not so DIY, um, whatever, whatever I feel like is a story that needs to be told. listening to Fresh Talk with Lucy Westfall. Read more about Lucy and hear other podcasts in this series on freshartinternational.com.